The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. <laughs> yes, it's Wednesday, the 22nd of November, 2023. I'm making all sorts of funny noises this morning. I can't believe it. I started the hiccups earlier on. I prayed to the Lord above that he would remove them from me before we went back on there, and he did. Now I've got other things going on, so you're going to have to excuse me. This is what's called live warts and all radio and not just warts and all but noises and all too but we're going to try and keep that to a minimum don't want to scare you lovely people away from watching us here on tnt radio vision element uh and yeah we're getting there uh we're three days into our launch now and we're just fine-tuning everything as you can imagine it's a huge undertaking and if i can in all seriousness, just take a minute to uh, acknowledge all the guys uh, and girls that are working behind the scenes to make this actually happen. It looks like a simple thing. You just go on TV, you make a few comments, you know, you've got some framing, but there's a lot more to it than that, people. So huge respect to all the guys and girls over in Brisbane in the studio that are making this happen. And of course, all the presenters and the producers and the hosts and everybody else and the guests too, don't forget, that are all uh, fitting in with this new format because it is a massive leap from just doing the audio only to doing the visuals as well. So please bear with us because of course, like everything else, we're a work in progress and we're just refining things and fine tuning things day by day by day, but we're, we're well underway here uh, in our quest for world domination. And this is the next step, which was to move across to the video format. So of course, Leave any thoughts, opinions, suggestions uh, in our live chat, which you can find on tntradio.live, or leave uh, feedback for our uh, station uh, through the website, tntradio.live, or you can individually uh, message anyone that's appearing on the show or uh, as, a, as a presenter through their email address, which you will find on our contact forms, also on tntradio.live. And of course, lastly, download the app from the Google Play Store or the App Store and encourage other people to do that as well. So uh, with an action-packed hour coming up here, we try and pack as much into the Locked and Loaded show as with all shows, as we possibly can. Gemma's going to be joining me in a minute. Stephen Kelly is also going to be joining me from Sydney and Australia. We're going to have a good look at uh, some domestic issues that are currently ongoing in Australia at this point in time. But before we do that, uh, in New York, uh, sometimes we neglect uh, America because most of America is sleeping when we're actually broadcasting this show at the minute but there's an awful lot going on in America at the minute and uh, New York has been a, a place that's been in a lot of turmoil over the last few years uh, the Biden administration if I can just read this here this is an article that was published in Zero Hedge which is a fantastic source uh, of well-researched articles uh, on geopolitics and financial issues in America Zero Hedge extremely painful New York City budget cuts will lead to fewer uh, police hires and reduced trash pickups. And of course, when we're talking about a lack of recruitment in the American army at the minute, there's going to be less police being able to be hired in New York. And of course, they have a real crisis going on with uh, immigrants being bussed up there from Texas. Uh, Greg Abbott is bussing 
literally thousands and thousands of immigrants up to New York as a sanctuary city. He doesn't want that problem. So he's pushing it up, uh, kicking the can, as it were, up to New York. Uh, the Biden administration's disastrous open southern border policy has flooded the nation with millions of illegals. More than 100,000 have been bust into New York City so far this year alone. So in 2023, over 100,000 illegal immigrants have been bussed up to New York from the Texas area. And of course, that's placing a huge stress on infrastructure within New York. And of course, the people that are living in New York and paying taxes in New York to get public services are being grossly impacted by this. And Mayor Eric Adams has decided to implement a 5% increase across the board budget reduction to manage city expenses. So at a time when they need to be investing more in running the city efficiently, he's pr producing a 5% across the board budget cut to services within New York, which will not uh, go down well with uh, residents of New York City. Uh, he said, in my all, to, all my time in government, this is probably one of the most painful exercises I've gone through. Adam said, adding his team continues to work on additional spending cuts. And this is the man that was ruthless in his enforcement of masking of children. I think he took a perverse pleasure in masking two-year-olds in kindergartens, insisted uh, that families should not be able to eat together if they weren't all vaccinated in pizza restaurants, things like that. Eric Adams is a particularly loathsome individual, in my humble opinion. And for him to say this is the worst thing that he's had to deal with, I would say he's done a lot worse than what he's currently doing, which is re reducing the budget by 5% across the board in New York City. But maybe you have your own thoughts and opinions on that one. I don't know. Lastly, also Leo Varadkar. He's never too far from the news. He's the Taoiseach or the Prime Minister of Ireland. He said uh, in a post uh, yesterday, do you know, and he's addressing this to all the residents of Ireland, do you know that it's possible to register to vote online all year round? Uh, everyone who is resident in Ireland can vote in local elections, regardless of their nationality or their visa status. Your voice matters, your vote is important, and every vote counts. Think about that. If you're a re if you're just living in Ireland, you don't have to be an Irish resident, and you don't have to have a visa to be in Ireland. You can still vote in Irish local elections, which is insane. So of course he's trying to get the vote of all the people that he's bussing in or allowing to come through Dublin's airports and ports, and then putting them up in luxury accommodation and giving them the best allowance of any EU country out there. Why else? Uh, would he not want to get their votes in local elections to keep his party in power? So it stinks, and it stinks to heaven. So all we're simply doing here is drawing your attention to that and shedding some light on that one. So I've got to take a brief pause now, and then uh, Gemma will be hopping on for a chat. So please don't go away. This is TNT Radio. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. TNT. Gemma, crazy times where you can be uh, not have a visa, live in a country, not even be an, a resident of that country, and yet still vote in their uh, local elections. Like you and I, if we've decided to move out to, I don't know, Kenya, and we're there for six months, but don't have visas. Where you know we don't have legitimate reasons to stay there. We don't even we're not even residents of that country. Could you see the African governments allowing us to vote in local elections if we're uh, two white people who just so happen to be hanging around in in Nairobi? Could you see that anywhere else? 
I could see it if they if they thought it would uh, keep them in office. Yeah, I mean, it's mm. clearly bribery, isn't it? So you vote for us and we'll keep giving you money. We'll keep putting you up. I mean, that's exactly what this is, bribery in plain sight. Um, and I, Is it legal, I wonder? Is it actually legal? I, I, I'm not sure about that, but the process of, you know, elected people questioned. shouldn't it be? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think we, it's, it's worth looking questioned. into, actually. Mm. But isn't it frightening, though, that the Prime Minister of the Taoiseach of Ireland is actually putting a post out on a social media encouraging people who are non-residents and non-visa holders in Ireland to vote and register in their local council elections, whether it's legal or not. He's actually doing it. And maybe it's a classic case of that business of it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. So a lot of the times these politicians and these so-called world leaders, they do things knowing that there maybe isn't any kind of legality behind it. And then they'll hold their hands up and say, oh, I made a mistake on that one. Sorry about that. Please forgive me. We'll learn going forward. So I think this could be another classic example of, uh, of, of that very thing. I think that's in the politician's training manual everywhere around the world. Just do it. Worry about it later. Once it's done, yeah. it's done, isn't it? As we've seen from the last three and a half years of insanity, which is ongoing now in just other areas of our lives. And just what you were saying there about, you know, the mayor of New York masking two-year-old children and taking a perverse pleasure in it. Yeah, well, I know I did it. Sorry about that. He probably wasn't even apologized, would he? But, you know, it's do it and worry about it afterwards because that's what people in positions of power do. I must admit, now I'm paying more close attention to the news than I have done in the last couple of years. I took a step back from it, but I'm firmly back now with a journalistic head on and I'm learning quite a lot from these so-called leaders. I'm going to apply some of those rules to my own private life you know i'll just do it and ask for forgiveness later on let's see what happens you know yeah. get my way take a, a bit leaf. more often why not take a leaf take a leaf out of their book uh just before we come to uh, the story that you have just a question for you we talked about our uh, i was talking about new york how it become a sanctuary city and it's really went to the dogs uh recently new york was in a right state back in the 70s and early 80s then they had a huge campaign to clean up the city to make it safe to attract tourism a lot of people then flocked to new york then of course they had 9-11 which derail that a little bit. Most of the major cities of the world that people would have went to, for example, as a holiday destination or a city break, I'm thinking about Paris, I'm thinking about um, uh, Rome, for example, or New York. Do you not think, uh, depending on whether or not you'd traveled to them before, if you've seen them, uh, would they be? Would you be less likely to want to go back to a place like that again, even if you had a great time there, because you can see the way some of these cities have been declining and quite frankly, they're just not safe anymore? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, just as you were um, talking about New York, I was reminded of that movie um, with Dustin Hoffman and John Voight. Uh, what's it called? Midnight Cowboy. Midnight uh -huh. Cowboy. Have you seen that movie from the uh -huh. late 70s, I think it was, where New York was an absolute dump and Dustin Hoffman's character was living in a, in a tenement building that was just, it was, well, it was a slum. And, um, and he died in the end of, of TB. Um, and it's just an awful film, but that's where we go. We, it's a brilliant film. It's a brilliant film. Everyone should watch it. But it's an awful depiction of New York City. And of course it did. It used to be an absolute hellhole and it's heading back that way. I've never been to New York, but I have been to Paris several times. It was, it was one of my favorite cities when I was in my 20s and 30s. And I took a few of my then boyfriends to Paris for romantic getaways and all that. And it was lovely. I wouldn't go there now. Absolutely no. not. No. And it's a, it's and it's an absolute I mean, Paris was designed along some quite Masonic and esoteric mm. principles. You can mm. there's quite a lot of stuff behind the way Paris looks, mm. but you can't argue it was stunning. Paris yeah. is a stunning city, but now, you know, and is this a concerted attempt to make us not travel to these once beautiful and esoteric places and to just I keep think us, it is. Mm. 
I think it is, Gemma, because I've never been to Paris, but I have been to New York. I've been to New York twice. I loved it. Absolutely loved the madness of it and loved the, the, the insanity of Times Square. But I would never go back there now. And it's the same with Paris. It's somewhere that I maybe would have considered going to, but because of the way that that city has degenerated as well, I wouldn't go back. And Rome's another one. If you've, if you've ever been to Rome, it is an incredible place. The architecture and the vibe in that place is amazing. But now it's been destroyed by, you know, the streets are overrun by uh, thugs and criminals basically especially in the center of Rome and doesn't seem to be a lot's being uh, done about it but uh, that's an interesting one as well for a discussion you know is that part of the the drive to keep people away from these beautiful cultural places that you can go and maybe get revitalized and built up and encouraged in your spirits like well I'm not going there because it's a it's a hellhole uh, so that's a possibility but uh, digressed a little bit there apologies for that uh, the story that you have here uh, give us the breakdown on it please Oh, well, I, you know, it is a digression worth making, I think, Rick, because I'm a bit disappointed to hear that about Rome. I did go to Rome a few years ago. When was it I went? I think it was 2012, possibly. And I was blown away by it. Yeah. So to hear that it, that now is a no-go for someone like me, if I was traveling solo, I would be too frightened. And that's what they want, isn't it? So I, I, it is a digression worth having. Um, it affects us all, you know, in, in terms of like world travel and and revitalizing. You're quite right about that. Anyway, um, the story I've got is um, the NHS, the the sainted NHS here in the UK, which, uh, you know, you shouldn't really criticise, but it's it's increasingly (laughs) putting itself up for criticism. Uh, It's come under fire recently because it's awarded a £330 million software contract to an American company um, in in the guise of helping, you know, make it more efficient, improve the waiting list times, all the things that the NHS needs to do. Uh, this American software company, though, is, is quite controversial. It's called Palantir, and it's caused a storm because it or, makes military spy software and has links, well, it w- works for the CIA and the Ministry of Defense. Um, so quite a few MPs and, more importantly, civil liberties and privacy groups have really um, criticized the NHS. And today in, in the UK, it's come out with its kind of defense, if you can call it that, because mm-hmm. I don't trust this one little bit. Um, And do you remember a few years ago, and you can still do this now, there was quite a lot of talk around the start of the pandemic about opting out of NHS data. Mm -hmm. And and if you were in the freedom and awake community, lots of people were saying opt out of the data because they use it for all sorts of nefarious purposes. Um, So now it's... Now the NHS has brought in spy software company to monitor data. Um, They're saying, of course, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It'll help deal with the waiting list in this country. Um, It will help the different NHS trusts, which are there are 42 here in the UK of different NHS trusts around the country. It will help the trusts talk to each other digitally. Well, that's AI. And we all know that that can run away with itself. Um, And and it's, it's really good news. It's really good news. Um, it's lots of word salad statements that they've issued to kind of justify this. And they've called it the Federated Data Platform. Um, and it, they call, they're calling it joined up thinking. But personally, myself, this spyware company, Palantir, it's got this got 330 million mm-hmm. pounds, that money, you know, and it bid for the contract. And I wonder, and this is only speculation and fair comment and personal opinion, I wonder how many sweeteners and dinners out with NHS bosses, given that we all know that Big Pharma own the NHS. Well, now it seems a spy software company runs the NHS and uh, doctors are always offered incentives and, and NHS bosses are offered incentives. So personally, myself, I have opted out of the NHS data, but now this spy software is being brought in. 
I'm sure they're having a good look at my data. And also data now is the new gold. Data is everything, isn't it, Rick? Especially health data, which can be used for all sorts of things. It can even be used to forcibly lock you up if they think you've got mental health problems. So yeah, this is a really, really tricky one. And of course, it's 330 million pounds of public money. Yeah, uh, that's a humongous contract. It's almost a third of a billion pounds, and, and it's going to an American company as well. It's going to an American surveillance firm rather than even keeping it in-house, even reinvesting that third of a billion. I'm sure there's British tech companies that would have been able to handle that business. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe that's why they had to go to America. But of course, you have to ask yourself a question. Is there nowhere in the UK that was capable of dealing with that? And as you rightly pointed out, and this is crucial, Knowledge is power. Information is uh, the new currency in, in going forward for all these uh, bot programs and AI uh, programs and predictive programming. And think about it even yourself. A lot of apps that you even have, you know, fitness apps, it says, what height are you? What weight are you? You know, what gender are you? You know, it asks you to input a lot of your own personal, what weight are you? Everything. Uh, and then it monitors your heart rate. It monitors how many steps you've taken. It monitors how vertically you walk up and down steps day by day. And that's all held centrally on an app database. So you think of the amount of data that we're willingly volunteering to apps, for example, where we may opt out of the NHS database, but we're actually upgrading our phones and our phones are harvesting or our Fitbits are harvesting health data on us, our heart rate, everything. And then, of course, that's all held centrally as well and is open for hacking. So yes, data, health data in particular, I would say, is uh, worth its weight in gold going forward. So yeah, be careful about what you indulge in and what you uh, inform apps and everything else of what your data is. Keep it all as quiet as you possibly can. So uh, I've got a call time in this one for now, Gemma. So huge thank you to you as always for all your input this morning. We'll talk again in the morning. And Stephen Kelly will be joining me just after this short break here on TNT. So please don't go away. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. I'm a native New Yorker. I've lived here most of my life. I love the energy. I love all the cultural opportunities. I love just the street scene, but not anymore. New York, to use Donald Trump's famous phrase, is now a shithole. Warren Wilhelm, Bill de Blasio, and Eric Adams destroying the legacy in, in just a few short years of Rudy Giuliani and Bloomberg. We had low crime, we had booming tourism, we had booming business, even with the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Business in New York, it rebounded, it was booming. We've got beautiful, gleaming new apartment buildings. It breaks my heart to see what has been done to my native state, whose motto, Excelsior, means ever upward. But these last 20 years, unfortunately, they've been ever downward. Again, not by accident, all by design. And what's the root of the problem? The root of the problem is our crooked elections. The Timothy Shea Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. <laughs> My baby's back from the West Coast. <laughs> Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. <laughs> <laughs> so long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those bees smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for 
earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay, smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. It's time to switch on today's news talk radio. Very entertaining. Yeah. TNT. Okay, we're still motoring forward here on TNT Radio.live. This is TNT Radio, and we are live, and we're beaming at you from our location in the Gold Coast in Australia. But of course, we're connecting with people all over the world. We're talking to people all over the world, and we're listening to people's feedback from all over the world. And it's great. And please keep it coming in and stay tuned to TNT, not just for me or not just for the show following, but sample some of the words that are on offer throughout the course of the day because we've got people from uh, Europe, we've got people from South Africa, we've got people from America, Australia, hosts from all over the world, and we're broadcasting out there as best as we can, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we don't let up. Now, I'm very happy to welcome uh, back to the show here, uh, Mr. Stephen Kelly. He's beaming in from uh, Sydney in Australia. He was an ex-New South Wales police officer and also the first person I ever spoke to uh, on my very first day on TNT Radio. He's my first emergency guest. He's standing in for someone at the last moment and he's never let me down ever since that. Uh, welcome back to Locked and Loaded. Stephen Kelly, how are you doing today? Yeah, good, Rick. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't get my um, laptop to, to uh, work tonight, but anyway, not to worry. No, not to worry at all, my friend. Uh, as long as we can hear you and we hear what you have to say, that is what is most important because obviously people are still listening just audio only. Some people prefer that. Some people prefer the video mm -hmm. format. Some people like a little bit of both. So as long as we can hear you, that's the most important thing. And just a big thank you to you as always for taking time out of your evening uh, to talk with me. I know you're a very busy man during the days. You work hand in hand with Tony Nicklick, who's also another guest that I have on here on the show with AFL solicitors up in Sydney and Australia. Australia. How's the business going at the minute in terms of your caseload? Are you still uh, snowed under? Have you still got a lot on the plate at the moment? Or what are you guys focusing on at the minute, generally speaking? There's still a lot on, um, Rick. There's always work coming in for, for uh, AFL, um, uh, you know, a whole range of different uh, matters. I'm, I'm actually still in the office at the moment, so I'm working on, on some uh, representation. So it's um, what... Uh, Nearly nine thirty Sydney time at night, so um, it's fairly busy. But um, I'm looking forward, uh, as you probably are too, to having you know a little bit of time off over the, uh, the Christmas period. Mm. Yeah, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, to get a bit of time off. I must admit, I'm a little bit fried at the minute. And uh, a few days off at Christmas sounds like a wonderful thing. And thankfully, we don't have too much longer to go. It's only, what, another five weeks uh, before that uh, time is upon us again. So again, I know it's late at night and I know you're a little bit tired, but we've got to try and get through as much as we can here today, Stephen, or tonight uh, to do with Australia. I want to look at uh, some, I'm just going to fire some news articles at you over the course of the hour. I want you to get your uh, feedbacks on it. Uh, one of the ones in in particular is something that Anthony Albanese uh, has come out with to do with their Medicare package. Apparently they have a Medicare system, or you can explain a little bit about this here in Australia, to take pressure off family budgets and the healthcare system. Uh, great to talk to Fifi, Fev and Nick this morning, uh, says Albanese. Uh, if your kid falls off a bike or you break your arm, you can get to an urgent 
Care Clinic. And all you need is your Medicare card and not your credit card. So is this a good thing, do you think? Or will there be something built in the back door that you'll have to pay for this through additional taxes or whatnot in Australia? What's your view on this uh, Medicare provision that Albanese is coming out with? Um, yeah, I'm not, not 100% up to date with it, Rick. But um, I know in, um, you know, Australia at the moment, uh, in terms of Medicare, that the um, the cost is um, going up for a lot of people now have to pay an upfront fee to, to, to go to a clinic to see a doctor and they are, you know, reimbursed the, the difference um, between what the rebate is and, and um, you know, what the, um, the, the medical practice charges. But, um, you know, uh, I, I saw some reference that, uh, you know, it's getting up to around nearly... <laughs> Hundred dollars, you know, for people to turn up to a, a GP visit in some places. I, I went the other day and I was charged seventy dollars uh, mm-hmm. to go and see a, a, a doctor. So, um, I, I'm, you know, uh, the devil will be in the detail, but certainly uh, one thing's for certain that um, you know it's it's um, it, it's quite expensive. You know, particularly in recent times, uh, the, the the costs are always going up to to see. Doctors and, and, and private um, covers also something that uh, um, uh, is going up and it's always um, increasing the cost there with the private health cover. So, um, you know, we're, we're certainly getting, I think, closer and closer to, to, you know, countries like the United States in terms of, you know, um, uh, the costs involved yeah. in, uh, in, in you know, seeking, um, you know, medical treatment, which is, um, you know, it's not looking good for the future anyway. No, it's not. That's what I was uh, trying to get up because it, in, in the UK and Ireland here at the moment, we don't have to take out medical insurance. We have the so-called NHS, which is funded by taxpayers' money. So if you need to see a doctor, it's free. If you need to go to hospital, you don't have to pay for your uh, stay there. But of course, they're taking it out of our pockets through uh, taxes. And of course, the services that are actually provided at the minute, there's an 8 million people on the waiting list in the UK at the minute, almost uh, over 10% of the population waiting to see a consultant uh, for either surgery or a treatment for chronic pain and that's forcing a lot of people maybe to get into their savings and take uh, pay privately to see a doctor because they can't wait anymore it could actually kill them or they're in such chronic pain that the service that they're paying for through their taxes isn't actually adequate for their needs so they're going to have to go private I think that seems to be the model right across the world and it sounds like Australia is inching towards that model also uh, we've got to take a quick News break right now, just for 30 seconds. And when we come back, some other uh, domestic issues for discussion here on the Aussie front on TNT Radio. So please don't go away. Question. What are you guys doing today? The news. TNT Radio News. Sounds good. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. After bombing the Gaza Strip for 45 days, killing more than 14,000 Palestinians, Israel has agreed to a four-day ceasefire with Hamas, which will see the warring sides swap hostages for prisoners. The US has carried out a deadly airstrike on Iranian-backed militants in Iraq in retaliation for a missile strike that wounded eight American soldiers. And Iran's released new visions showing what it claims to be the successful test launch of the country's new hypersonic missile. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Okay, I'm talking with uh, Mr. Stephen Kelly this evening because it's evening time, his time in uh, Sydney in Australia, and I really appreciate you uh, joining me from work. He's still working away. At least he's supposed to be working away. He's taking time out here to talk to me here tonight. So you could have uh, landed yourself in some hot water with Tony Nicklick this evening, Stephen, but I hope that's not going to be the case. Uh, looking at uh, a law that has passed here, Labour's draconian immigration detention conditions have been challenged in the high court so as an ex copper yourself you can give me some uh insight into this one here chinese refugee uh, had sparked the challenge arguing his curfew and the wearing of an ankle bracelet is punishment so basically uh the plaintiff this chinese refugee is seeking a declaration that the curfew to stay at his home address from 10 p.m to 6 a.m and the requirement to wear an ankle bracelet for tracking at all times is amount to punishment numerous lawyers have warned in the aftermath of the albanese government legislation imposing conditions on the bridging visas of those released as a result of high courts uh that a challenge along those grounds is inevitable so basically People are complaining about their terms and conditions, sometimes about their residency, for example, in Australia, or the fact that they're being released from uh, detention centres and being monitored and tagged. Uh, you know, should this be an issue? Uh, is it uh, draconian or uh, is it simply uh, taking steps to make sure this guy doesn't disappear or that they keep tabs on him at all times because they don't really know what he's all about? Yeah, it certainly, um, um, Rick, it certainly generated some... Uh, media interest in Australia in the last couple of weeks, this uh, recent High Court uh, decision in relation to the um, the government um, not having the, the power to indefinitely uh, de detain people um, in immigration. So um, the Albanese, Albanese government, as I understand it, is, is looking at ways to try and um, you know, address obviously this this issue that uh, um, they seem to have um, not been prepared for when the court handed down its uh, decision to to try and um, keep tabs of uh, some of these people that uh, have been released from custody. And as I understand it, or the way the media is reporting it, a lot of these people have um, you know some significant criminal histories from from their own mm -hmm. country. So. Um, it's a balance, I suppose, Rick, between um, you know protecting the welfare of the uh, the public at large versus the infringement of people's uh, personal civil liberties. I suppose if the High Court has said that uh, that they shouldn't be detained, it really comes down to whether or not uh, it's appropriate for for the um, the government or the authorities to be um, placing um, you know ankle bracelets and, and other monitoring devices on them to, to, to be able to um, monitor their whereabouts uh, whilst they're, um, they're within our, in our country. So I think, yes, ultimately uh, it would probably be challenged too in the, in the courts and it'd be interesting to see um, um, uh, what the courts um, uh, would do in relation to that because I think that if someone's... Um, um, hasn't committed an offence, but also at the same time doesn't have um, any um, valid, um, you know, citizenship to, to be in the country. It's, a, it's an inter interesting conundrum as to, to whether or not uh, what power the government has to, uh, to to be able to force these people to um, be on curfews and, and to be monitored. Um, and as I understand it, they're, they're looking at you know, using other powers and other legislation to, to try and, um, you know, for example, even the terrorism 
laws to to, to um, you know um, address the uh, the situation with that finding, and I think that they're trying to pass some urgent legislation. So it's it's an interesting um, uh, development, and um, it'll be. Um, um, it's going to obviously uh, end up, I, I say, in the uh, the courts again very shortly. Uh, tell me this, Stephen, just uh, as a as a compare and contrast exercise. This is a real issue in Ireland at the minute. So basically, there's a lot of men flooding into Ireland and have been for quite some time, and they've never been vetted or they've been allowed into the country when they have had terrible criminal histories in other places. And there's a very uh, notorious case that's ongoing at the minute. Uh, a man, uh, Joseph Pushka, uh, stabbed an Irish woman to death. A lovely young girl um, stabbed to death, stabbed her in the neck 11 times. He'd been out scouting for women. He's been in Ireland for 10 years. He's never worked. He's been availing of the uh, free accommodation and benefits in Ireland along with his family. But he had a previous criminal history in his country of origin for uh, molesting underage girls or having sex with underage girls in the past. So there's a guy who has come to Ireland. And here's the question that's being asked. Should a man with a criminal record like that, A, be allowed into the country, B, be allowed to stay for 10 years, C, be supported by the government, and D, now that he's actually been found guilty of the slaughter of this girl, uh, his family were also aiding and abetting him in the crime. They're currently staying here at our expense as well in Ireland. Surely, does it not make sense to carry out stringent checks at the point of entry and anyone that cannot prove that they are who they say they are or that cannot be vetted and cannot have any kind of security clearance or at least have police checks uh, carried out on them, they should, simply shouldn't be allowed into the country. That's not being racist, is it? That's just simply uh, protecting your own borders and protecting your own people. I agree completely, Rick. I think that um, you know there has to be stringent uh, tests and requirements in relation to um, who comes into into your country, and I think that um, um, you know, I mean, that tragic case that you've just um, uh, indicated is a, is a you know a reason why uh, that is so important, and I think that um, um, the community at large has a right to, to feel safe and know that people that are coming into the country are certainly people that uh, don't have significant. Uh, criminal histories, or certainly, uh, even if they do have criminal histories, that they're not persons that are going to uh, pose a threat uh, to to uh, other vulnerable members of the community. So, I think there's a lot of questions uh, that that uh, really need to be um, um, addressed in what yeah. you just said. And I don't know, obviously, we have the time to go through all that, but certainly, I mean, you know, I know that in Ireland uh, that that. Certainly, there has been a lot of uh, interest of late in relation to, to what's happening with a lot of people coming into the country that aren't being properly vetted. And I know that the United States is another uh, country where they reckon yep. that there's millions that have crossed the uh, the southern border. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it just um, it really raises questions as to um, what is going on in the upper levels of government that's allowing this to happen. And, and what's, what's the, the, there must be some other agenda that, uh, that's mm -hmm. allowing this to happen because surely, you know, this is not a matter of incompetence. There, there, there is um, some real 
significant um, concerns about, um, you know, this is not just happening in one particular country. This is happening in a lot of countries around the world at the moment. So It's um, being being facilitated by our governments. I mean, you look at uh, the the plan that Australia has to take in uh, how many hundred thousand uh, immigrants over the next few years. Uh, You mentioned America there. There's been millions of people flooding over the open southern border that Biden has effectively opened it and allowed millions of people to pour in. And even in New York this year, alone. Uh, they're they're busing the illegals from Texas under Greg Abbott. He's sending them in buses up to New York because he doesn't want them. They're ending up in New York City and they've had 100,000 people this year already, 100,000 people landing in the city. And there's no way of verifying who they are or what they've done or what they've been capable of. Maybe they're all innocent people that are just there to work or maybe they're all uh, the dregs of society that are fleeing from Mexico or are running to America, uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave to do God knows what. And the same thing is happening in Australia. The same thing is happening in Ireland. So this isn't just a localized problem for you in Australia or for me here in Ireland. This seems to be an open board. And Italy, look at what's happening in Italy. Look at what's been going on in Sweden and France and right across Europe as well. This is a real problem uh, that's going on, Stephen, and it doesn't bode well for the future. And I mean, in case anybody's thinking as well, oh, you're being too hard on these men. They're all fleeing. Listen, when you... Uh, went to get a job, I would imagine, in the New South Wales Police. Were you not vetted beforehand to make sure that you weren't a criminal or were you not vetted beforehand or did you not have to maintain a clean record for you to be able to keep your job as an Indigenous Australian? Is that persecution on your part or is it just protecting the public against, for example, a rogue cop? Well, that, that, that's 100% right, uh, Rick, what you're saying. I mean, people have to be vetted to, 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 to enter the, the police and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, People should be better entering into a country. I mean, you know, you and I have no issue whatsoever, I'm sure, with uh, genuine refugees um, trying to escape mm-hmm. war-torn terror with uh, families no entering into another country. But the, the situation is that uh, a lot of these cases, they're not um, families that are coming in. It just seems to be that the young men that have been brought in um, on boats and, and um, there's, there's, they're not coming with any family. So it doesn't make any sense as to to why that's happening, how that's happening. And and, um, and, and the, the, the public and the, the, the people are not being consulted by these people making these decisions as to, to um, why and, um, you know, the, the purpose behind this. You know, I mean, in, in Australia, there, as you said, that Mr Albanese is bringing in, you know, uh, over a million people in the next 12 months or so. And, and I mean... There is significant stress at the moment in, in cities in relation to um, the, the prices of uh, rental accommodation. Um, yep. You know, hospitals are stretched to the limit. Um, there's all these impacts on services that um, need to be factored into. And, and, and there's no point, you know, causing a collapse of the system by, um, you know, bringing in more that can be... Um, 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 managed uh, because otherwise it's going to lead to um, other consequences for, for um, the country. So I um, I think that um, we need to have these discussions and, um, you know, and it just seems that the, the politicians are just not consulting um, uh, the people uh, in these places where it's happening. And, and that says, you know, a lot about who's actually governing Western societies today, because they're certainly, you know, uh, not acting in the uh, in the uh, interests of the of the people, and certainly don't seem to be serving the people. And I wonder who they are actually serving. 
Yeah, that's that's a good point you make there too. You know, most places like, for example, the police, at least over here anyway, you know, you have to take an oath. You have to uphold the law yourself. You have to be a law-abiding citizen. You have to protect the public. You have to serve the public. But it doesn't seem to be the people that are making these policy decisions are acting in the best interest of the public, which begs the question then, who then do they actually serve? And uh, just before we take the break here as well, you'd also said very importantly about the stress that these decisions are putting on infrastructure. So if you have 100,000 people dumped into your area, no matter where they come from, you know, where they go, if there are any children, that is, which we're not seeing, uh, where are they going to go to school? Uh, who's going to provide medical services for these people? Because the medical services already been stretched. That's why even in Australia, you have this Medicare thing that's rolling out. What's going to happen if an extra million people land in Australia needing medical care? And where are you going to house them as well? And as you know yourself, and as I know over here too, the lack of uh, affordable rental accommodation because of the amount of people piling in and uh, places being allocated to these uh, people coming in from overseas over people that have been living in the country and paying taxes all their lives. It's sh it's squeezing people out of the rental market and squeezing people out of the uh, accommodation or the mortgage market as well. It doesn't bode well for the future. So yes, it's worth highlighting that one here uh, this evening or this morning here in the UK. So got to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, some more domestic issues uh, on the cards to look at before the top of the hour here on TNT. So please don't go away. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I used to work for the once great AccuWeather. I don't know if any of you know the history of AccuWeather, but it was started by a brilliant meteorologist, a pioneer in his field, Dr. Joel Myers. And his philosophy was simple. Let me get the best forecasters and put them under one roof. And then let them compete against each other. And so what happened was, when AccuWeather started in the 70s and 80s, it was like the New York Yankees of weather. It was unbelievable. But as time went by, things have changed. Joel is long retired, for instance. And now they are one of the main media outlets, I call them meteorological misinformation media, that continues to whip the hysteria. Now, my bias against that is the fact that I used to work for them. And there were so many great people that I learned from there. And I don't know what they think about what they see now, but there's one climate article after another coming out. But you know something? I'm being too harsh on them because there's a poll on Twitter by me if you want to go look, the American Storm, and you're more than welcome to vote on it. It says only 3% of people responding say that they drive climate hysteria the most. Guess who is winning hands down? The Weather Channel, 40.6%. Behind them, the New York Times, 30.5%. So the Washington Post is in there at 25.9%. So these articles, and apparently they just appear in front of me every morning. Whenever I open up my computer, there's a bunch of them that just flash on. I gotta not let them bother me. Obviously, no one's really looking at that. They're looking at the Weather Channel, the Washington Post, and the New York Times. And believe me, they're beating the drum like mad. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Asthma is a growing problem, especially among children. Asthma affects the quality of life for millions like me every single day. My name is Chris Draft, and I have asthma. And I've spent more than a decade in the NFL tackling asthma on and off the field. Join me and the EPA in helping people control their asthma. Asthma is a lung condition that can be controlled through medication and by avoiding things that can make it worse. Three steps are the solution to controlling asthma. Step one, talk to a doctor. Step two, make a plan. And step three, get rid of things that can make it worse. Asthma can be tackled. 
For more information on asthma, log on to epa.gov asthma. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, I'm talking with uh, the one and only Stephen Kelly this morning. Stephen is ex-New South Wales uh, Police, uh, long-term uh, initial uh, founding member guest here on the Locked and Loaded Show on TNT Radio right from day one. And he's currently in Sydney working with Tony Nicolick and AFL Solicitors. And if you need any legal work or legal advice uh, and you're in Australia, check them out, aflsolicitors.com.au. You can get through to them and I'm sure they will be happy to steer you uh, onto the path of legal uh, utopia. But for now, Stephen, uh, something else that I want to talk to you about is uh, cost of living. Obviously, it's not just something that's going to affect you and me. It's going to affect everybody that's currently listening to what's going on at the minute. However, it seems to be the rich are getting richer while the poor seems to be getting a little bit poorer here. There's a report has just came out today. Australian Electricity Networks raked in $2 billion in super profits from customers, a think tank has said. So these findings are showing that between 80 and $400 per customer profit was made in 2022 fiscal year alone by Australian energy network providers. Uh, and that's in just one year. And that's two and a half times the level needed to compensate shareholders for risk, the Institute for Economics and Financial Analysis claims in a new report. So you're paying electricity bills, I would imagine. Uh, you're paying utility bills, I would imagine. They're getting uh, more expensive, or at least they're not coming down in price, despite the fact that these regulators and these companies are uh, producing $2 billion a year in profit, 80 to $400 per customer. How does that make you feel as an Aussie who's probably uh, struggling like everybody else uh, to make ends meet, knowing that they're profiting to that extent and not putting anything back into uh, into the customer base which they're milking dry week after week month after month yeah well um yeah i mean that's another uh, major issue in in australia the uh, the cost of electricity rick and uh you know <laughs> i i read also a, a similar article that uh, you know that says that this is just a um you know with the whole green agenda it's just a um a redistribution of uh, wealth uh, from the uh, the you know the uh, middle class to the uh, to the rich, and because it's really the taxpayer that's subsidising all this um, all this um, you know the, the wind turbines and all this other um, you know these you know electric vehicles and and all the rest that um, are not going to address or, or in any way replace uh, uh, the current system that we we have and in fact it's going to, to you know it's actually causing you know the, the cost uh, of everything to, to, to go up um, so uh, you know it's um, and and the, 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 those that have you know the elites the ones that are investing in all this uh, green energy and it's all being subsidized because it's all um you know <laughs> if the, if they were fed income about the whole um you know the the private system i mean they all these companies would have gone broke by now um because of the uh, the cost involved and the fact that they um um aren't able to deliver um you know the the energy needs that um um we currently need uh so it's and it just seems it's just I mean Malcolm Roberts um, um, and and Craig Kelly and and others have been you know raising this uh, for quite some time about um, the, the the whole 
broad in in this climate uh, agenda, but it just seems that um, Mr. Bowen, our energy minister, he just seems to be hell bent on a path of um, introducing uh, all this green technology. And I think he wants to bring in 200, uh, 200 uh, windmills offshore uh, to, to uh, um, you know, uh, as part of the uh, the government's solution to the future, to, to moving to, to, you know, the transformation to um, uh, carbon zero, which is just crazy. And um, um, while China is, um, you know, effectively um, investing more and more in... Um, in um, um, coal-fired power stations. And, I mean, yeah. our, our government's not even looking at nuclear energy, um, which which would be, be something that would be more um, realistic than, than the current, um, um, you know, um, plans that they have for the country. So, you know, this is uh, going to, to have significant ramifications and, and it's going to obviously lead to, to probably what they want to achieve, which is, you know, that uh, it's going to be unaffordable for, for most people and, and that's going to have consequences where people are, uh, you know, are not going to, elderly people are, are going to end up dying through cold winters and, and um, you know, not, um, you know, um, it's, it's just, I dread to think uh, what it's going to be like in the next, 10 years uh, if they keep going down this uh, trajectory. Yeah, it's, it seems bizarre, uh, you know, for anybody that doesn't know that's listening from outside of Australia, you guys have some of the best coal in the world and you're actually uh, exporting that out to China. They're buying a lot of it up to fuel their multiple coal-fired power stations that they're still in the process of constructing. And what are they building uh, over in China? They're building wind turbines or solar panels that they're selling back to the Australian people uh, as uh, renewable energy sources. And of course, they're not completely reliable because you need the sun to be shining all the time. You need the wind to be blowing all the time for these things to be actually fully effective. Uh, and that's not the case. And if you mentioned nuclear power as well. You know, you uh, Australia's sitting on some of the best uranium deposits in the world as well, but yet you can't have any nuclear power. And this actually leads in perfectly uh, to the third uh, item that I wanted to talk to you about this morning. Actually, you didn't know this, but uh, this is uh, a warning uh, from a, a lady in Australia called Gina Reinhardt. Uh, she's an Australian billionaire. I think she's linked in with uh, mining. She's very heavily involved in mining within Australia. So she says, um, let me quote, uh, during an address in Bali uh, yesterday, the mining magnet made the ominous forecast to mark National Agricultural Unrelated Industries Day, which uh, Ms. Reinhardt is the finding patron. She said um, governments need to cap what agricultural spend on achieving net zero greenhouse gas emissions or the entire nation faces dire consequences. And she's referring really here to the fact that if farmers aren't allowed to get on with the business of farming, number one, you're going to have a shortage of crops. And number two, you're going to have a shortage of livestock as well, which is going to add uh, misery upon misery to Australians that are not just struggling with energy bills or finding a place to live. And when you find a place to live, then you can you afford the rent for it. But there could also be potentially fuel uh, not fuel, sorry, food shortages also in Oz with crops and with beef because of these crazy regulations that are being brought in. So she knows what she's talking about. She has experience in this business. Uh, she can see the writing on the wall here. She's giving out a warning here. Do you think it'll be heeded by the government? Or are they just going to carry on regardless the way they always do? No, 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 they're not going to listen at all, uh, 
uh, risk. And Matt Canada is another senator that uh, mentioned in Parliament too recently about the, the you know the importance that we need fertilizer to to um, produce crops. And if we're going to go uh, go down this path, then you know there's not going to be enough. Uh, fertilizer to um, produce uh, and grow the food so you know it's going to lead to um, a shortage of uh, food in the um, in society and it's going to, to lead to you know mass uh, uh, consequences in terms of uh, starvation and, and um, uh, hunger and, and obviously those in power know that that's a likely consequence, and and but yet they're hell bent on going down that path. So one would have to sort of draw an inference that um, maybe that's what they want to do. That maybe that's one way of reducing the world's population is to um, uh, go on this self-destructive path uh, towards um, um, destroying the ability of farmers to 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 grow food and and you know um, to make everybody uh, dependent on, on the government. Um, so, um, you know, the, the, there's just so many areas at the moment where the, the governments uh, are just doing everything inconsistent with planning for the world's population to grow, if anything, that they are, they are planning on reducing the world's population because their policies seem to be all consistent uh, with that sort of an agenda. So unless, uh, unless I'm missing something, um, nothing is making any sense and, and therefore uh, it's unlikely that they're going to listen to Gina Reinhardt. Yeah, I, I, speaking of dependency as well, just as we're coming up to the end of the show here, it does seem to be there's a concerted push uh, going on towards pushing people in general to be more dependent on the government. So we were dependent on them uh, to be able to be allowed to move freely over the last few years when they brought in their lockdowns and whether or not we could work or not. You've experienced from this. You refused to take the COVID vaccine. You were one of the very few people that actually refused to take it and suffered uh, immensely as a result of that. Your career effectively ended uh, with new South Wales Police. You'd invested over 30 years of your life there. You'd done very well. Uh, it impacted you very negatively, but you were uh, standing up for your own bodily autonomy and for what you actually believed in. Uh, so again, governments were saying, well, if you want to work and you want to earn, you have to be able to do what we tell you to do. Uh, lastly, there's another article here, Albanese uh, had posted up here to say that uh, some exciting news to share. This was yesterday. We said we would deliver $2 billion to the states and territories to build more social housing. And this week we released the final implementation plan. So again, there's more social housing being provided by the government, at least on paper. And of course, to be able to get that social housing, they'll probably use a point system. And of course, they will leave that towards people that are fine, upstanding citizens and probably not critics of uh, the government, whatever they happen to be. And of course, over the uh, Europe as well, Stephen, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but they're pushing for universal basic income trials as well, where people are saying that they can't live on benefits. So how about not working at all? We'll just give you UBI. We'll give you a cost of living uh, allowance every month. We'll give you accommodation. But of course, that could be a mirror of the Chinese social credit system where you have to maintain your standards of behavior and adherence to government laws and policies and not criticize them. Otherwise, you get that financial rug pulled out from under your feet. So uh, just as we come up to time on the show here today, I'm sure uh, you can see that happening uh, where you are in Australia at the minute. I can certainly see it happening in Ireland as well. And I'm sure anyone else listening in any other part of the world can say, well, you know what, that looks kind of familiar 
to where I am too. So we're pretty much up to time now, Stephen. I just want to give you a massive uh, thank you uh, for taking time out of your evening, of course, to come on and talk to me again. It's always an absolute pleasure. That's Mr. Stephen Kelly. And if you can, just a little um, plug for you guys up in uh, Sydney, aflsolicitors.com.au. If you need any legal advice or you have any uh, issues with regards, you've maybe lost your job because of mandates or you've uh, been vaccine injured, you can certainly use them as a, a go-to point for that. I'm sure you would be only too willing to help, would you not, Stephen? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Rick. Yeah. So, <laughs> unfortunately, there's, uh, there's not going to be a shortage of work in that department, is there? No, and if the share price for AFL solicitors goes up significantly, I would like a little small percentage cut of the profits because I <laughs> plug you guys a lot here on uh, TNT Radio, but it's my pleasure to do it because I think you're doing a fantastic job. So, Stephen, you're now released to go back to working again uh, after your hour-long break here, which I'm sure Tony will be more than happy with. And uh, thank you, as always, for your input. You and I will stay in touch. And uh, for now, I'm signing off the day. James Freeman is incoming, so please stay tuned for more magic here on the one and only TNT Radio.